Good morning. Can you all hear me all right? This is weird, isn't it? Very weird. Well, it is good to be back. It is good to see your faces. Um, It's good to see old faces and some new ones. Why don't we go to the Lord in prayer? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together and worship your name. Even with masks on and social distance being applied, We're still grateful that we still have the opportunity to call out to your name uh, without restrictions. We pray that your name will be honored as we seek to hear from your word this morning. Open our hearts, open our ears. Let your spirit be at work in us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to come before you this morning and share with you uh, what the Lord has to say to us in His Word. A lot of good things have taken place this year. Is that not true? I'm not being sarcastic, I'm being honest. A lot of good things have taken place this year. People are getting pregnant, people are having babies, some folks are buying houses, some folks are graduating from college, some folks got new jobs, some folks got promotion, making more money than they've ever made. Even some folks are getting out of debt. A lot of fun things have taken place, and for those who like sports, we got a chance to see a a nice documentary on the life and career of Michael Jordan, which was pretty cool. So there are good things that have taken place in 2020, and we should acknowledge them. We should uh, be happy about them. We should be thankful for them. But also, we will be deceptive not to acknowledge that there have been a lot of not-so-good things that have taken place in 2020. And there have been some tragic events that have taken place in 2020. And Eric pointed out, pointed out to me a couple of weeks ago that it's not so much that there's a, a lot of events relative to other years, but we're less distracted And so we're able to see all the events that are taking place. Obviously, COVID has caused us to to be less distracted. And because of that, we are able to observe the many tragedies that are taking place around us. To put it simply, this has been a year full of storms. Metaphorically and literally. You may not know this, but we've had 25 storms this year alone. 
And we are three storms away from tying the record of storms in a year, which was in 2005. The record is 28. Metaphorically, we've had some major storms as well. We've had unexpected deaths of influential people, both young and old. We've got this virus that sort of changed our way of life for the past six, seven months. Caused us to be isolated, away from family, friends. Thousands of, or hundreds of thousands of people have lost at least a family member to this virus. There's been many protests. Uh, protests that this nation has never seen before. We got protests of uh, injustice, of black men being killed. We got protests of on constraints on personal liberties, protests on abortion, and many more. And if you haven't been paying attention, this is an election year, a presidential election year. And our politics has never been so personal and divisive before as it is in this year 2020. Storms of various kinds have landed on our shore this year. And the latest will land in a couple of weeks when we all go out to vote for the new president of the United States of America. And on top of all of that, On top of all of that, we've all had our own personal share of storms. Let me ask this question to you all. How are you doing? How are you coping with all all that has been happening? How are you processing all of this? Suicide ideation? Depression, anxiety, I've all been on the rise since March. People are feeling the burnt of isolation. As a preacher of the gospel, uh, I don't have a clinical advice for you. Uh, nor do I, do I have a pill that you can take that will make all of this go away. But I do have a truth that can make a difference. I do have a word that can be a light on this dark path. This morning we will take a look at the miracle story of the calming of the storm in Mark. The disciples of Jesus experienced a storm of their own in this narrative. So if you have your Bibles with you, Please open up to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with them. 
And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But it was in a stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, to the sea Peace, be still. And when the wind ceased, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this? Who is this man that even the wind and the sea Obey him. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. This morning we will talk about the true peace in the storm. The true peace in the storm. And that's the focus for us this morning as we examine this text. The focus is this. What did Jesus expect of his disciples in this narrative? What did Jesus expect of his disciples? And how did the disciples meet that expectation? The takeaway for us is this, is that we need to believe Jesus to be the truest peace when it ain't all right. We need to believe Jesus to be the truest peace when everything isn't okay. It is not a question of whether he has the ability or not, but it is a question of what do you believe about him? This narrative starts with Jesus with the text saying, when evening had come. In Mark chapter 4, verse 1 through verse 34, Jesus was already on a boat. Uh, the first 34 verses was Jesus standing on the shore of the, in a boat teaching to the crowd telling them about the kingdom of God. And then verse 35 happens. When evening had come, or when evening was coming, Jesus looked at his disciples and said to them, let us go across to the other side. It's getting dark. Our time here is up. Let us go across to the other side. Why did he need to go across to the other side? Perhaps for further ministry. Perhaps because those on the other side need the gospel. Jesus said it's important 
to take the good news to those on the other side, or those that are not on your side, or those that are on a different path from you. They too need the gospel. Those on the other side need the same redemption that you have received. It's not okay to keep the gospel within your side, but you've got to take it to the other side. We can't just demonize the other side, but the other side need that same gospel that you have. So rather than critique and complain about the other side, let us take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the other side. And that's what Jesus is doing in this passage. He tells his disciples, let us go to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as it was. Uh, does that mean, what does that mean? We don't know. Perhaps it means he didn't say bye to them. He just said, they took him and, and they moved on. Or uh, maybe he didn't actually use the, the restroom before leaving. But just as it was, they left. Maybe he was starving, but he couldn't eat. They just left. Or perhaps it's Mark's way of showing the immediacy of the disciples' obedience to the command of Jesus to go to the other side. But on their journey, Mark gives us this little note that other boats were with them. Now, we don't know if there's a relationship between these boats and, and Jesus, but there were other folks on the Sea of Galilee. And then something happened as they were going across to the other side. You see, sometimes when you go to the other side, it's not always smooth sailing. Or sometimes when you go to the other side where you're probably not wanted, it's not always an easy path. Uh, things come up that you didn't plan for. But you got to keep going. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat. On their way to the other side with Jesus in the boat, a storm arose. Not just a storm, but a great storm. A great windstorm arose on the way to the other side. The Sea of Galilee is known for having bursts of storms. It comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. The windstorm was so violent that the boat was beginning to be filled up. No doubt the disciples tried to weather the storm. Three of the disciples were fishermen, and this is the sea that they fish on. So no doubt that, that you know, they're familiar with what's going on on this sea, and they try to weather the storm. They try to, you know, their hope that this storm would, would go past, that this storm would not last forever, that this storm would be temporary, and they do their best to weather this storm. We all can relate. We do our best to weather storms in our life, hoping that they won't last long. Now, hoping that this virus will be temporary. Uh, hoping that, you know, this election would, would be okay. Uh, hoping that this, 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 this job won't, won't be hard for too long. Hoping that this 
kid will behave the way we want them to very soon. But that's what the, the writer of Proverbs tells us. He said, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a, 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 a desire fulfilled is a, true, a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the, the heart anxious. Hope deferred makes the heart depressed. Hope deferred makes the heart hopeless. And when, when you don't get what you're hoping for, you begin to feel it. And when what you, what you want isn't happening, you get anxious, you get depressed, you, get, you, 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 you feel hopeless. You feel like, is, is this really going to happen? The writer of Proverbs is saying that that's a normal feeling when things ain't going all right. When, when, when life is, is all messed up, when the storms are raging in and you feel like this, this isn't over as I thought it would, you begin to feel anxious, depressed. Uh, uh, you, you don't feel all right with yourself. You feel down. The disciples felt the same way. They had tried their best to weather the storm. Uh, they, they tried their best to see, hoping that this storm wouldn't last forever. It wouldn't last too long. But that's what was happening. The boat was filling. They were doing their best. But it, wasn't seem, it didn't seem to be working. The boat was filling. They, were, they, they feel like they are on the edge of death. Remember, I mentioned that on the Sea of Galilee, windstorms is a common occurrence. So no doubt many lives have been lost on this Sea of Galilee. Or no doubt many people have gotten on that sea and have not gotten back off. So at this point, what are the disciples feeling? They are feeling fearful for their life. They are on the edge of death. The boat is getting ready to sink. They are scared. As we all may be when our hope is deferred. But when our hope is realized, when what we want is accomplished, or when that man comes that we've been longing for, when that woman comes that we've been longing for, when that job comes that we want, when that baby comes, what happens? We are full of joy. A desire fulfilled is a tree of life. The disciples are scared, like you and I may be. So they went to Jesus. Jesus was in the stern slipping, the text says. Jesus was in the stern slipping. Did you know this was the only time in the entire scripture? the entire New Testament that Jesus is said to be slipping? The man finally got a chance to take a rest. And it was a deep slip. Because all the waves, all the wind did not wake him up. And then the disciples went to him. And what did they do? They violated the wisdom that's in Proverbs. Never wake up your neighbor in the morning with a loud voice. Or you may get a kick to the face. What did they do? They went up to Jesus 
and they said, teacher, teacher, do you not care that we are about to die? Do you have no interest that our life is about to be extinguished? I've felt that way before. Hoping and seeing nothing. And then looking at God and saying, dude, what's going on? Don't you care? This is hard out here. Are you really looking down? How could you allow our politics to be so divisive? How could you allow a storm to ravage our nation, uh, a virus to ravage our nation like this? How could you allow nations to have such such a dispute among themselves in a way that they're killing each other. Don't you care? And we are praying for this, but nothing is happening. And now, in the narrative, there is a, a suspense. We know what's going on. The disciples have gone to wake Jesus The question is, what does Jesus do? How does he respond to all that is happening? Jesus awoke from his night's sleep. I think after this, he probably never went to sleep again. He woke up, and he looked at the wind, and he rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, And he said to the sea, and he said to the sea, sea, have no ears. So Jesus is speaking to the sea, speaking to an impersonal object, saying, peace, be still. And there was a great calm. Jesus spoke to nature, and nature obeyed. Peace, be still. That sounds elegant, doesn't it? That sounds spiritual. Peace, be still. But in reality, when we, if we were to translate it without care for elegant language, that's what Jesus said to the sea. Be quiet, shut up. Be quiet, shut up. That is a word none of us like to hear, and it is a word we tell, our, we tell kids never to say. Why? Because that word, shut up, strips a person of the, the power of their voice. It is considered rude and disrespectful. We can tell someone, please be quiet, but you can never say, please shut up, and that'd be nice. When Jesus tells the sea to shut up, he's saying, I'm stripping you of your power. Lay down and don't get up unless I tell you to. Be quiet and shut up. We rebuked the wind and there was a great calm. There was a great peace. There was a great serenity. That is typical of the ministry of Jesus. It goes into circumstance. And when he acts, the result is as though the previous circumstance never existed. A man with no leg, a a man that is lame, 
is able to walk as though he had never been lame a day in his life. The sea that was raging was calm. Not, not that it was calm and then it was choppy. No, it was great calm, as though it had never, there had never been a windstorm. A great peace fell on the ocean. But he wasn't done. He turned to his disciples and said to them, Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? This is hard to hear. But this is hard to stomach. Why are you afraid? This is me. This is me. The disciples were on the brink of death. Their life was in danger. And he's asking them, why are you afraid? When I'm in hard circumstances, when things that I want seems like it may not happen, I get fearful. I get concerned, wondering what would life be like if that never comes to place. My heart begins to be worried, wondering, can I go on without that? I think that's what Jesus expected of his disciples, which is a very difficult request. In spite of you being on the edge of death, in spite of your heart being filled with great fear of what is happening in front of you, I am in the boat with you. So there ought to be no reason for your heart to be experiencing all that it's experiencing. I am the true peace in the midst of the storm. Bear with me for a moment, but I think Jesus is also rebuking the the disciples in the same way you rebuke the wind and the sea. He's telling the disciples' heart. He's telling them the anxiety to be quiet and shut up. He's telling their depression to be quiet and shut up. He's telling their fear to be quiet and shut up. He's telling their worries, their worriness to be quiet and shut up. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? In spite of the storm raging around us, in spite of the storm that's about to ravage our life, Jesus' expectation is that we would not let our hearts be overtaken by the storm, but rather we would remember that he is the true peace. If he is with us, we have peace even in the midst of the storm. He doesn't want us to be fearful, but it's a difficult request. Because as a proverb writer said, this is the natural occurrence of man. This is the natural reaction. That when things ain't going well, we would be concerned. 
you would be worried. Jesus said, why are you so fearful? Have you still no faith? Have you still no faith? Don't you yet believe in who I am? That even if you're close to death, I am your true peace. I am with, as long as I am with you, you're going to be all right. And after this, the disciples were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, Who is this man? What kind of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. They woke this man up from his sleep. And he did what, perhaps, maybe what they would desire him to do. Yet, they are still in shock. Uh, They are still surprised that this actually happened. Fear came upon them. And they wondered to themselves, what kind of man is this? That even the wind and the sea that have no ears, obey him. That is who we serve. That is the Savior we worship. Even see in the wind, obey him. Let me close with this. There's a story I heard of a pastor in Birmingham, Alabama. He got back from a, a day's work and he got home late at night. His wife was sleeping on a couch in the living room. He knocked on the door. She didn't answer. He pushed the doorbell. She didn't answer. He took the glass, or the, the, I think it's the windstorm door, banged, banged it against the door. Nothing. The house is built on a stilt, so he took a stick went under the house, tried to figure out where the couch was, and banged it. No answer. Now he's getting worried. Now he's getting scared. Is my wife dead? And so he ran across to the the neighbor's house. Got the phone and called his wife 22 times and not one answer. Now he's really worried. So him and the neighbor ran, up, ran outside the house to go back to his house. And as they were on their way back, they saw the wife pop up and run upstairs and come back down and open up the door. So now they're confused. He's ask, she asked me, she said, honey, how long have you been standing outside? He said, I knocked on the door. And her response was, I'm sorry, honey, I didn't hear you. He said, I pushed the doorbell. She said, I didn't hear you. I even got the stick, went under the house, and I tried to find where the couch was. She said, baby, I am so sorry. I did not hear you. He said, but even after going across the house and calling you 22 times from the neighbor's phone, she said, baby, you got to believe me. I really did not hear you. So now he's confused, and he says, so what caused you to get up and run upstairs. She said, I heard my baby crying. 
if a woman, if a mother could be sensitive to the cries of her babies, how much more your Heavenly Father sensitive to the storms that you are experiencing? The disciples' response to Jesus was among themselves, who is this man that even the sea and the wind obey him? Mark doesn't tell us that Jesus gave them a response. But if he did, I imagine his response would be this. You go and do likewise. If an animate object, if, if nature can hear me, can listen to me, can obey me, you go and do the same. Let me end with this passage that we read earlier. The psalmist tells us that in peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you, O Lord, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. We serve a Savior that makes us dwell in safety, even in the midst of of storms, whether they be protest storms, whether they be injustice storms, whether they be COVID-19 storms, whether they be death storms, whether they be job storms, whether they be health storms, whether they be kids storms, no matter the storms in your life, in this season, we serve a Savior who will let us dwell in safety because is present with us in that storm. And he is the true peace while trouble is all around us. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that we indeed are children of God. Our hope is in you and you alone in spite of all that we are experiencing. So we pray and we ask that our hearts would not be overwhelmed and overtaken by the hopelessness around us, about the storms that we are experiencing. But we, we, we will embrace who you are to us. We would recognize that with you, we are at peace. Because you, Lord, are indeed the truest peace in the midst of all kinds of storms. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.